Bonjour, mes amis, and welcome to episode number 137 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. I'm going French this time uh, for two reasons. Before I get to those, though, Justin Anderson, you are in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I am here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's me, it's Patrick. Uh, how you doing, Justin? Sweating again. It's uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago I was in the same boat, but yeah, it's... Uh feels like 40 here in Saskatoon today, so um, if not for the 70 kilometer an hour winds, I would be completely melted, but at least that I went outside at lunch for a bit and that was enough to just blow the sweat right off of me. Yeah, <laughs> it's humid here, but it's it's um, it's also raining, uh, so it's kind of cooler. It is very humid though, which is kind of gross, but... Yeah, we've got, um, we got potential for a big thunderstorm here tonight, so I'm kind of yeah, tempted to stay up and watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice to watch that. I love rainy days in the summer where it's like 10 degrees cooler outside and the rain is just gushing. That's I just like it because it's like a good atmosphere. It's yeah. good for video gaming if you're into <laughs> that kind of thing. So I went French with the opening today because for two reasons. The first is that France beat Germany today in Euro 2020. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big supporter of the French national soccer team. Uh, love watching them play. A lot of my favorite players of all time have played for France over the years. So uh, Euro is back, which is exciting. And the other reason is that the Habs are in the semifinals, which is nice. We didn't acknowledge it last time because uh, I wanted to wait for the proper amount of grieving time before I brought it up. <laughs> Uh, but uh, allons-y, let's go Habs, let's uh, bounce back. That was a rough one last night, but... Uh, what was the I, score? I didn't even... Look. It was 4-1 it was to one, uh, for, for the Knights. Um, but, I think that's about as many wins as Montreal get in the series, too, maybe one. Well, I think it'll be Habs in seven, oh, but... No, that's, not, that's a bad take, Patrick Bush. We'll see, we'll see. Vegas <laughs> is a very good team, but the Habs, when Carey Price is on, he's on. Uh, that was a rough game to watch last night. Obviously, the boys weren't ready. But uh, have a little faith there, Justin. I don't want to. I think the third best team in the division is, is there right now. So The third? the third. Well, I mean, they. who's the first? It was supposed to be Toronto and Winnipeg. And then... So the first best team was defeated by the third best team. Yeah. And they're still the third best team, despite the fact the they beat the first team, best Patrick. I find that very perplexing. It doesn't the, really make a lot York of sense. The New York Giants to me. beat the New England Patriots when they were 18, when the Patriots were eighteen and zero. That made right. the Giants the best team that day, but not the best team that season. Well, I would argue that the champion is the best team of not the season, always. but not always. Uh, well, congratulations on your lack of a President Trophy win, Toronto Maple Leafs, and congratulations. Those are, those are meaningless anyway. <laughs> congratulations on your what is it, sixteenth consecutive. 17th consecutive season with a playoff series victory. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Life is pain. I shouldn't be mean to you. Let's get into the news and talk about ball doctoring because if I don't talk about this, I'm going to explode. <laughs> so let's do this. Yeah, so uh, obviously there's been a lot of news the last two weeks, especially mm -hmm. about all of the baseball doctoring and substances that are being applied to baseballs by pitchers to give them extra grip, increase their spin rate. Um, so there was a New York Times article that came out. So here it is. There's a quote from it. Since the baseball season began in April, Major League Baseball's umpires and league officials have been collecting baseballs by the thousands. Balls from games are inspected with the most suspicious specimens being sent to an independent laboratory for analysis. A forensic investigation found that a majority of those balls had some kind of illegal foreign substance, yeah. presumably applied through sleight of hand by a pitcher on the mound, with tests still being done to determine exactly what was placed on them. The purpose of the substance is fairly clear, to help pitchers make the baseball curve, dip, and hop more than it normally would. In recent years, materials like spider tack, monkey hands, and homemade concoctions including pine tar, distilled coca-cola, and even hair gel have allowed pitchers to grip the ball so well that they can put far more torque on pitches. That allows them to increase the ball's spin rate, which is a measurement of the revolutions per minute as the ball travels toward the plate. In a data-obsessed game in which everything is measured and documented, spin rate 
has emerged as the holy grail of pitching. Garrett Cole was asked straight up uh, about using foreign substances such as spider tack and responded with, I don't quite know how to answer that. <laughs> to be honest, how about no, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's been a, a crackdown with, with MLB announcing that there will be uh, 10 game bans for anybody caught using foreign substances to doctor baseballs. We've seen uh, in the past couple starts for uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, a dramatic decrease in his spin rate. And he was one of the guys who was originally kind of complaining about the, 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 the spin doctoring, I guess. So he's one of, he's one of, he's a guy who's obviously a really uh, analytical pitcher. He's all about finding the newest and greatest pitching techniques to make yourself better. So I feel like he probably said enough is enough and if everyone else is doing it i might as well do it too but now that everybody shouldn't be doing it maybe we'll see a little bit of a return to where uh pitchers aren't as dominant as they have been the past couple seasons because obviously we know how how strikeouts have been increasing but um patrick a lot of stuff happening with this right now where do you stand on this uh I, I, do you think that that 10 games is a sufficient ban like is mlb should they be cracking down on this Yes, it's cheating. Yeah, I mean we've 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 talked many times about how uh, players using performance enhancing drugs is yeah. uh, definitely something we frown on. Uh, spider tack and monkey hands and whatever weird things that Garrett Cole uh, concocted uh, <laughs> in the clubhouse before a game, uh, or allegedly. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm I'm all for the ban. Uh, I think it should escalate if you get banned more than once for it. I find it very, very suspicious, though, uh, about uh, how some of these guys are suddenly struggling uh, uh, immediately after the announcement. I find it very suspicious. What's even weirder to me is think about how many times a catcher. Uh, or an umpire touches one of those balls during play. Think Are you telling the, me umpires never noticed? The umpires before? don't really touch the ball until they give it to the pitcher. Like Usually when a ball goes out of play, they just toss it right out of play. Yeah, but sometimes balls do come back to... Uh, to an umpire after a pitcher has thrown a pitch. But Patrick, they they weren't told to do anything about it. So why would they? Okay, that's why would they care. That's fair. I guess I, I guess what I ultimately what what it comes down to is like does does spider tack, monkey hands, homemade concoctions, all this other crap. Um, do, do they make the game better by existing? Uh, in the game and I don't think so at all I think it makes the game worse Uh, and we can see that in uh, performance metrics Uh, one of the lowest what lowest batting averages in like a hundred years yeah I I think like anything that is outside of like the human body's natural ability is bad for baseball like if a guy is able to change his arm angle or to generate more uh, more, more rotation in his lower half to get more velocity I'm all yeah. for it but as soon as you bring something uh, that is not a naturally occurring substance or tool like say a corked bat for example into the game that's an unfair advantage and not meant to be used so yeah I'm, I'm with you I think it's bad I would I would go even further than that. I would say any substance whatsoever, and the reason why is because, uh, well, way back in the day, many years ago, the spitball was actually a very <laughs> yeah popular that would method be pretty obvious <laughs> of getting traction, and it was I mean guys don't do it anymore because it's banned in baseball the spitball, yeah. uh, but that is a that is a substance that is naturally occurring that comes out of somebody's body, so. Fair yeah, but also I, that, that's already that was already in the rules. So <laughs> I'm okay with them even getting rid of the Rosenbag as well. Uh, yeah, the Rosenbag I can see being being left in as it's been there for so long. I don't think that that makes a big enough difference to really justify scrapping everything. But definitely, I understand like 
um, the need to, to crack down on like any like, random like gorilla glue or monkey hands, whatever it's called. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. I what they what guys used to do in the nineties and the two thousands was you used to see pitchers with big buckles on their on their gloves and what they would do is or there'd be like a sharp edge on their glove and what they would do is while Cut they're you know bit. doing the thing with the ball they would scrape it against the buckle or they would scrape it against the sharp object inside the the glove or whatever it is to yeah. kind of yeah to cut it and to get to get a firmer grip or some guys would have these like ridiculous i don't know they would like super develop their nails or whatever but then when blisters became a bigger problem because we've we've reached the point of peak human capability with throwing a baseball yeah um blisters became a thing and then you saw guys like aaron sanchez i'm not saying that that was why but i mean like as, blisters are such a problem for pitchers now that uh and the and the i think we're only going to see an uptick in blisters now that they've taken away the substances but like like holy shit like don't cheat like if you're if if this is as big a deal as they're making it and the cheating is that rampant and all signs seem to point to the fact that it it is bad like yeah. Justin Anderson what are we how do we clean up the game how do you how do you micromanage and police this you you just got to start looking at baseball's in game and doing a really really firm inspection um to see if, if the pitcher is doing something like I don't know if it's a couple of baseballs inning do they have to have somebody designated like a almost like a fifth umpire on the crew in this like in in the dugout or something or inspecting all the balls that come out of play I'm not sure how they police this accurately but um, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here I, I think that some of these guys probably feel a lot of pressure to use these substances a lot of these guys who are like fringe MLB roster guys, right? That maybe bounce up and down between AAA and the big leagues, or um, aren't on a long-term contract. They might feel like their careers depend on getting whatever advantage that they can, and because there was no crackdown on it until now, that's probably where a lot of this usage came from. If there is something that's available to you that isn't against the rules at the time, um, that isn't really enhancing your like your physical body. It's just something you're putting on the baseball. I don't. I, I can see why a lot of guys would do it. Yeah, because I mean, as of one minute it was legal, the next minute it's not. Although I think it's ridiculous when you see something like uh, a player complain about uh, about not being able to use it anymore after yeah Poor performances or after an injury which yeah. brings us to <laughs> tyler glass no <laughs> exactly so uh i was really disappointed to read that uh yeah. i know like it sucks when you get injured and it sucks even more that this is probably going to be a long-term injury because it is a ucl partially torn yeah uh if he requires surgery um it's going to be TJ. Yeah. Uh, if if it needs to be fixed, and if he if he does have to get TJ surgery, that's it for him for this year. We'll and see you next. Year. We'll, yeah, we'll see you next uh, September probably. It's about a sixteen month recovery time for for most guys. So it, so if he got the, it, if he gets it now, it would take him out of uh, next season as well. He has like like a three or four month window to decide if he's going to. Do Tommy John's in order to be able to return for the 2023 season. So that's right now brutal. it sounds like they're going to they're choosing to try to strengthen the area. He's he's getting a second opinion on Friday as well too. So I I mean I I am not a I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Uh, I've I've read about I've read about TJ's. A lot as much as any other advanced statistic person um, but I, I don't if you're Tampa and you're like you're 20 games above 500 you're leading the division you're probably gonna make the playoffs you look at the teams beneath you Toronto's kind of struggling to get things going although they're about to get hot very quickly 
the Yankees are the Yankees. They're floundering right now, but they could bounce back any minute. Boston is maintaining pace. Like, do you play to win now? Four months is enough time to get you to October, which isn't enough time to have the playoffs be done. Mm -hmm. So imagine losing glass now at the end, like at the one yard line, and then having to like, I don't know what, have like bullpen days in the the frickin' playoffs. Oh, if anyone can do it, it's Tampa. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, but I mean, like, do you really want to... If you're Tyler Glass now, too, do you want to, like, potentially fuck your future earnings by not punting the ball right now and just... Just getting you know, the surgery? Yeah, bite the bullet. 2021 is done for you. 2022 is very questionable. You're probably done. Um... And just say, you know, fuck it, I'll see you guys in 2023 and we'll come back. We'll bounce back from this. They're 20 games above 500. Even if they played at 500, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would get the surgery, but again, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not in his position. And I don't know what the doctors have told him on the possibility of just rehabbing it without the surgery so i guess i guess we'll see what happens after he meets with the second doctor on friday and then maybe maybe he'll they'll raise will release more information but well pitching isn't gonna pitching more isn't gonna make it heal no he's gonna be off he's shut that. down yeah he's shut down for, for the foreseeable future until they can figure out how to rehab it effectively Man, I don't know. I'm so mi I'm so mixed because like if it were if the competitive spirit inside of all of us says go as long as you can, but then on the other hand, you know if Ty Tyler Glass now is their ace, and two years from now he could be on track for like uh, you know, an eight figure or nine figure payday. You know, hundreds of millions. Do you really want to risk that? and completely blow your arm out and then t come back from TJ not it's not necessarily a lock that you'd be a success that's yeah, scary very true um, but don't blame spider tack on that yeah you can't Christ blame sake. you can't blame substances on on why you got injured no. uh, let's talk blue jays uh, some quick news before we talk uh, the recaps of the white Sox and red Sox series the old Sox week and then we'll preview the yankee series today as well too but uh, just before recording, uh, the Blue Jays actually placed Jonathan Davis on the paternity list. Hopefully, uh, him and his and his wife have a, a successful birth and welcome a new child into the world in the next couple of days. Yay! Santiago Espinal will be added to the roster and will start tonight at third base against the Yankees uh, in, in, uh, in Davis's place. Yay! So Where's Biggio going to play then? Uh, he's off tonight. It's, uh, I believe Montgomery is pitching. I think he's a lefty, so I think Vigio's going to yep. get off. We're stacking those right-handers tonight. Yep. He's, yep. <laughs> enjoy George the Springer. Enjoy the bench. <laughs> is starting a rehab assignment with AAA Buffalo tonight at Rochester, Patrick Marsh. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Montoya said on his timeline, it could take one game, it could take five, it could take ten. We're going to communicate with him every day and see how he feels. Despite that Montoya quote, it's obviously not going to be one game. Springer is going to play five innings in the field and is batting leadoff for the Bisons tonight. And he may have a DH game mixed in there. They'll reassess after each game. That info from Scotty Mitchell. Uh, also from Scott, Steven Matz. The Jays had placed him on the COVID list prior to yesterday's series finale in Boston. And his tests actually came back positive. He is symptom-free. And follow-up testing with the rest of the team all came back negative, so it's only Matt's affected by this. I'm sure they'll do some contact tracing and try to figure out where he got it. Um, obviously, feeling no symptoms, but he does have to spend at least 10 days on the COVID IL, which means he will likely miss two turns in the rotation. So the Jays are going to have to fill some rotation spots, whether it's with a cringe bullpen day or with somebody Aww. from AAA. Um, guys that, that could be, it could be Trent Thornton. Who steps in and, and opens for three four innings if you can get it from him and then you could also see thomas hatch activated off the injured list and called up he is on the 40-man roster so they wouldn't have to make any corresponding 40-man moves they would just have to send somebody down from the active roster and that would likely be in a, like a guy like espinal or maybe like a jeremy beasley at the back end of the bullpen so hopefully matt gets well soon um vladimir guerrero jr 
is leading all of Major League Baseball in all-star votes. He had close to 900,000 votes uh, through the first round of MLB voting. That's open for another nine days. Uh, Marcus Samin was first among American League second basemen. Bo Bichette is only behind Xander Bogarts for shortstops. And R- Randall Grichuk and Teoscar Hernandez were fourth and fifth in the outfield, respectively, with Teoscar in fourth and Randall in fifth. Um, so, yeah, we could have a bunch of Blue Jays at the All-Star game, Patrick Marsh. Yeah, my prediction is that there'll be five, and it'll be the five that you just mentioned. I don't think any of our pitchers uh, you could justify sending them. Uh, but Samin certainly looks like he's uh, a lock to, to go. Vladdy is a lock to go. Bichette is probably uh, going to be a reserve. And then uh, Gritch and Tioscar. I'm very interested. One of them might end up being the starter. Yeah, if they can gain, I, I can't. I think Buxton, Trout, and Judge were ahead of them. So that's a, that's yeah, it's a tough ask. But I mean, even with still... Mike Trout injured and unlikely to play, so right. Uh, actually, yeah, I'll take it back. One of those two will probably yeah. get the start, I and it'll probably Trout is due back around that time. But it'd be yeah, he ain't going to play. He might go, but he won't play. <laughs> yeah, which means. Yeah. I would I would expect it, Gritch is fourth, right? Teoscar was fourth. Teoscar is fourth. Yeah. Okay, uh, it'll probably be Teoscar Hernandez and starting, so we'll have yeah. three starters. Yeah, it's very possible. It's nice. Um, let's get into some recaps. We have to do. We're gonna rip through these. We have to do the White Sox and the Red Sox series. <laughs> some brief do we highlights. Have to? <laughs> yeah. So the White Sox in Game One beat the Blue Jays 6-1. to one. The White Sox scored five runs in the bottom of the eighth inning in what was a disastrous inning. Uh, Robbie Ray was brilliant in this game, Patrick Marsh. He went yes. six and a third, gave up one solo home run, did not walk a batter, and struck out 13. He became one of the only Blue Jay pitchers in franchise history to do that, to strike out at least 13 without a walk. I believe Roger Clemens was the only other one to do it, and maybe there might have been a Roy Holiday one in there too, so pretty good company for him um trent thornton and carl edwards jr both did not perform well in that eighth inning and that (laughs) led led to the blue jays losing that game um yeah it was bad the jays struck out 12 times in that game and went one for 12 with runners in scoring position get ready for that stat as we go through the week yeah let's okay so here's the thing with this one uh, this was Trent Thornton's uh, one and only difficult outing so far this season. Uh, shout out to Trent Thornton. Also, he did uh, Ross Stripling's podcast uh, on the bump uh, in the season finale. They did Roy Halladay, the three, yeah. uh, the two, or the two of them, Trent and Strips. That was so this morning. is very good. It was terrific. So go check that out for sure uh, and follow that on Twitter at on the bump. But that was Trent's only poor performance so far this year. Uh, and he bounced back later in the week. Spoilers. Um, meanwhile, Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> he's having he's having a tough he's he having a tough a go. a wire pickup. Like what can we was, expect? Yeah, it was a tough it was a tough go, and it was a tall ask anyway on a very very strong Chicago team. Yeah. Um, but you can't win any games when you strike out 12 times and you go 1 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Um, so that's why we lost that game. Yep. Game 2 was a 6-2 to two win for the Blue Jays. They bounced back. Alec Manoa had a good bounce back start after a rough outing in his second appearance. In his third big league start, he allowed four hits, two earned run, or two runs, only one of them was earned over five innings, walked two and struck out four. Uh, the White Sox had four errors on the day which led to some Blue Jay runs the Blue Jays scored three in the eighth and two in the ninth to win that game uh, Randall Grichuk had a home run Joe Panic had a couple of hits and the Jays were again only two for seven with runners in scoring position but that number is actually pretty much on league average if you pace that out it's just above 250 um, Anthony Castro Tyler Chatwood Jordan Romano and Tim Meza all pitched scoreless innings for the Blue Jays in that game. Anything to add there, Patrick Marsh? Great bullpen performance, great starting uh, performance. Yeah. Professional baseball player, Joe Panic, two for four. I like that. I like that he has become like one of the best bench bats you could have on a team. 
Uh, aside from being great against lefties, he's just he's very consistent. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, you kind of know you're going to get a competitive plate appearance when you see Panic at the plate. Exactly, yeah. He doesn't necessarily have the power, although he has hit a couple of home runs the last couple of weeks, which is <laughs> very uh, odd to see, but you, you love to see it. Uh, just great pitching performance. This is what you want. Um, yeah. If you're Chicago, uh, the loss went to bummer. That's probably the best way to describe that's it. That's a he's, real bummer. He's an o. He's o o and four for the year. So that's a big bummer for him too. Yeah, he's uh, living up to his name. That's for sure. <laughs> that's uh, gotta suck, man. <laughs> to get does. to the show and then your last name is Bummer. Yeah. And you're o and four for the year. I I shouldn't make fun, but I mean, come on. It's <laughs> we're lowbrow here. Well. In the finale, it was a bummer for the Blue Jays. They lost the <laughs> series finale 5-2. to Hunjin Ryu was great for five innings, but it was the first inning that cost him. He gave up three yeah. runs in the first inning on a three-run home run, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. That's so long ago. Um, yeah. And ended up pitching five other more innings after that for a total line of six innings, three runs on five hits, one walk, and, and three strikeouts. Uh, Castro also gave up a solo home run in that game, uh, and Piams gave up a run too. So the Blue Jays just had a hard time shutting the White Sox down. Uh, they did have again eight hits, and uh, were eleven strikeouts in the game, and did go two for four with runners in scoring position, but just didn't get enough runners past second base. Once again, Joe Panic was two, had two hits, and so did Santiago Espinal, but neither of those guys drove in any runs. Uh, yeah, a bit of a frustrating one. We got to see how good Liam Hendricks is in the ninth inning. He got into a little bit of trouble with a couple men on, but managed to just throw some filthy pitches and has a great fastball that he didn't have with the Blue Jays uh, and was able to pick up his 16th save on the season, which I believe leads baseball. Good for him, though. I love it. I mean, I wanted to sign him desperately. Yeah, we wanted we, to sign him. We didn't. We signed Kirby Yates instead. Yeah. So let's move on. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, the, after losing two to three on the south side of Chicago, the Jays flew to Fenway Park in Boston to play the Red Sox for a four-game Friday to Monday weekend wraparound series. Game one was a heartbreaker. The Blue Jays lost on a walk-off six to five to the Red Sox. The Blue Jays' Patrick had 16 hits in the game and only managed to score five runs. They were four for 15 with runners in scoring position which again is just above 250, but it looks bad when you had 11 runners that you weren't able to, to score. Um, yep. Ross Stripling was great. He left the game at only allowing, I believe it was only one or two runs at the time. It was two. It was two after, after five and two thirds, uh, but it did leave a couple of men on base. And uh, Tyler Chatwood came in uh, and was terrible. He hit a guy or walked a guy. So he hit a guy to load the bases, walked in a run, threw a wild pitch, and also hit another batter. So he was not able to get an out, hit two batters, and walked another one to really screw Stripling over. Uh, Tim Meza was able to come in and get out of that mess with the bases loaded. Uh, Edwards Jr. gave up a solo home run, did have three strikeouts in inning and a third. Uh, and Rafael Dolis actually took the loss on this one. It was an unearned run, though, that he gave up in the in the bottom of the ninth inning. So the final score was six to five, of course, with the Jays doubling up on the Red Sox, sixteen to eight in hits, but losing on the scoreboard. Uh, really unfortunate. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a home run in this game, uh, which is a, f a really big foreshadowing point for this series. But yeah, very disappointing in terms of the the offensive output after that many hits. Yep, this was a tough one. Uh, strips looked good. Yeah, I was again. I, I mean, he was one out away from getting out of uh, a bad jam. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Tyler Chatwood came out and did what Tyler Tyler Chatwood has uh, started yeah. uh, started trending uh, as far as his output, which is a lot bad. of a lot of balls outside the strike zone. Uh, now he's starting to hit guys. Um, when you're a manager, if you're in that position, there's not much you can do because hit by pitch, oh, yeah, that's kind of a shitty fluke. He's got to pitch three uh, walks, batters. <laughs> yep, walks in a run. Uh, that's two. And then the third one, hit by pitch, and then he was out of the game. Get him out of there. Mesa stabilized, but it, by, by then it was too late. The Jays were still in the lead after that. 
Um, but then, yeah, um, Edwards again blew the save. Dolis. Some of these, some of these guys, their seasons are imploding, and we can't and do anything about it because there's nobody else. The best, the best the Jays could could do is try to uh, ex, expend resources uh, to go get other relievers, and then all of a sudden you've got a team chemistry problem where guys who have invested uh, their entire years thus far in trying to be, you know, try to over uh, overperform like Dolis. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Edwards, they got to, you know, take the bus to Buffalo. Yeah. I don't sure. know. I feel like that's that's kind of a, a factor. Um, but, I mean, these guys are blowing games left, right, and center. And it's becoming a regular thing for Dolis to the point where I don't think he should ever appear in a high leverage situation uh, again. He needs to get some low leverage outs before they trust him in a late innings again i believe it's been it's been really bad really 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 bad it's been a disaster for tyler chatwood whose season he started off he was our most reliable reliever and now it's at the point where he's our yeah yeah, he's our least reliable reliever yeah he Um, can't throw a strike at all it's really really bad it's the alarm bells are ringing yep uh in game two on saturday the jays rebounded with a seven to two victory uh, Guerrero, Semyon, Bichette, and Maguire all hit home runs in this game. Steven Matz was great. Obviously went on the COVID list the next day. Um, but went five and two-thirds, gave up one run, walked two and struck out eight. Castro struck out the side in his inning. Mazer recorded an out. Dolis gave up another run in his inning. Uh, yeah. But at that point, it was it was seven to one, so it didn't or eight, six to one at the time, so it didn't matter. And then Romano did pitch the... Uh, the ninth after there were some questions about uh, some forearm tightness that he had been dealing with. So Biggio on, in his return uh, from the IL went three for four with a home run as well, Patrick. So five Blue Jays went deep. It was nice to see Cavan hit a ball the other way and get it up over the monster. Uh, yep. And also roped a double down the right field line. So he was using the whole field, which is when you know that, that he's on because he's tended to be a, tend, tended to be a dead pull hitter to begin the season anyway. Yeah, it was it was terrific, uh, a terrific performance at the plate. Uh, Steven Matz, very solid, did everything that was asked of him. Just fell short of getting a quality start. Uh, probably threw a few too many balls trying to escape from uh, from the sixth inning. That's yeah. probably what did him in. But that's yeah, his you know, count got up over a hundred. I think it was almost at one hundred and ten when they pulled him. Yeah, I mean it's all good. We still we hammered. We hammered them. Well. We were we were up six nothing by the end of the fifth inning, and at that point, you kind of put yourself in cruise control. I understand why Dolis was put in this game because it was a much lower leverage, and it was it's an opportunity to help right the ship. Castro continues to be one of our best relievers, uh, while our best is probably Romano. Boy, we really miss Julian Merriweather, dude. And this Ryan Baraki. Yeah. But let's talk about the my favorite yeah. game of the week. Yeah, we <laughs> got a we got a laugher on Sunday, and for once it went in the Blue Jays' favor. Um, yeah, they demolished the Boston Red Sox, putting up twenty hits <laughs> and scoring eighteen runs. The Blue Jays hit eight home runs in the game. Patrick Marsh. It was a record at Fenway Park for a visiting team. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez had a couple. Semyon hit one. Bichette hit one. Guerrero hit one. Roddy Telez hit one off a of position player. Uh, Guriel hit one. Uh, who else am I missing? Did Biggio hit another one in that game? I, I can't remember. Everybody was hitting home runs. <laughs> it was. The, I think it was one of the. I think it was the first time that seven different Blue Jays hit home runs in a baseball game in franchise history. Yeah, um, it was the second most home runs the Blue Jays have hit in the game. They've obviously have the major league record for hitting ten home runs in a game, many <laughs> many moons ago. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was one of those games where it just felt like right at the beginning uh, they jumped all over Martin Perez. I was telling Patrick I, I had a hunch and I, I didn't start Perez in my fantasy league, and boy, my God, I didn't because that would have been a rough way to boost the old ERA for the week. But Robbie Ray was good, too, not to be overlooked. Kind of overshadowed. When I watched Blue Jays in the 30, they only showed, like, two innings of Robbie Ray. Uh, yeah. Because there was just so many home runs to show. But he went six. <laughs> yeah. 
he did walk three and give up three runs, but he also struck out ten. Obviously, uh, giving up three runs over six innings is a quality start, so nothing to nothing to be sad about there. His ERA at the season stands at 345. Terrific. And you, and you said you didn't think a Blue Jays pitcher would make the All-Star game, Patrick Marsh. I think if anybody's going from the Blue Jays, it's going to be Robbie Ray. Uh, if you look at the votes, it's kind of hard. It's you don't. I don't, I don't think they vote for pitchers though. They're, 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 you don't know your pitchers. Right. The coaches pick the pitchers. Uh, I could I could see him squeezing in. Uh, if we're being honest, though, with ha- with the the likelihood that there are probably going to be, uh, you know, five Blue Jays there uh, on what a twenty six man team. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I don't think that diminishes the fact that he deserves to be there, though. I agree with you. I'm just saying for the because they're going to want to have a player from every team. So there's how many teams? There's 15 teams in the American League. So that's 15 spots minus four additional Jays. Uh, so that gets you to 19. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll be tight. I, he deserves it for sure. He's been yeah. incredible. Um, I believe he has one of the highest K percentages in all of MLB, if he not does. highest. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty darn up there, but let's talk about uh, the small bulk. Well, I guess it's not small bulk, but the little bit. The Thornton got two innings. He did give up a taco, but other than that, good bounce back from that rough uh, eighth inning that he had yeah, earlier in the week. That was terrific. And um, shout out to Riley Adams. He had a rough game in the eighteen to four laugher. Because uh, he went 0 for 5 while every, literally everybody else... He got robbed uh, in the first inning. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to bring that up, but I mean, like, holy shit, that was impressive. Uh, and this game could have been way worse. The Jays still left 13 runners on base, or, co- like, individually. Yeah. So there were opportunities where, like, Guerrero had uh, a couple guys on base and he didn't connect it was one of the two times he didn't connect <laughs> Bo, Bo Bichette went four for five Hernandez like you said he had uh he had a single and two homers and uh yeah it, it was a rough one for Riley Adams but he, we did see him get his first hit uh earlier in the series so that was cool yeah I didn't get to watch this game I was umpiring a doubleheader I listened to the first thing in the parking lot uh, one of my colleagues, umpire buddies, had a, the Sirius radio on in his truck. And so we had the Red Sox feed going. And when Bo Bichette took the walk, the Red Sox announcers said something like, it looks like Prez doesn't have his, his best stuff today because Bo Bichette just took a walk. That they made a kind of a joke because everyone around the league knows he's a free swinger. So yep. even from there, it was like, oh, yeah, this could be a, a bad day for Mr. Perez. And it sure was. <laughs> Can um, you imagine... Uh, Bo Bichette with the patience of Vladdy <laughs> of or or literally like anybody on our team whose OBP is like 40 points above yeah their batting average Kevin Bo Vigio's would be patience Bo, Bo would easily be hitting 300 I know he's cracking like what 280 ish right now yeah he's on a hot streak he's, got he's on a he's like super hot streak in the last week He's a three. He should be a three hundred hitter. But once he establishes some patience at the plate, he'll hit like three twenty, and his yeah. OBP will be close to four. It's gonna be interesting to see how the lineup shifts when uh, Mr. Springer rejoins the team probably next week. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's a topic for another episode. Um, in the series finale, because this was a four game series, uh, the Blue Jays were stifled by uh, uh, Nathan Evaldi. He was great. Uh, yeah. Alec Manoa was also brilliant. He gave up one run over six innings, walked one, and struck out five. He dropped his ERA to uh, 266 after four starts. So he had one really bad start, uh, and then had three starts where he was brilliant. So uh, definitely a great first three weeks for the kid. He's slotted in to face Baltimore this coming weekend, so a nice, maybe a nice little reprieve for him. But hopefully he just attacks again. Uh, the Blue Jays were down one to nothing in this game, Patrick Marsh, until there were two outs in the ninth inning. Yeah. When your boy, Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., steps up and hits an absolute missile into the Boston Knight over top of the Green Monster um, for his 21st home run of the season, which is leading the league on pace for 55 or 56, which would, yep. which would break Jose Bautista's franchise record. 
Uh, and it was his fourth straight game with, with a home run. He had a home run in every game of this Boston series. But unfortunately, after he did that, instead of going to Jordan Romano, who was warming up in the bullpen, Rafael Delis comes in. And I'm sure everybody knows where this is going. He gave up a run. <laughs> and, the, and the Red Sox walked it off for their second walk-off of the series to split the four games. So a day after you get 18 runs on 20 hits, you get one run on four, and that one run came on your, on your 27th out of the night. <laughs> That's baseball. That's baseball, though, and you kind of knew it was going to happen. You just had a feeling. Evaldi looked pretty good in the first few innings. I thought, okay, first time through the order, they're just going to measure him out, maybe get a hit or two. They had a hit and a walk the first time through, and then after that, it just wasn't. It was that they couldn't get anything going. But uh, yeah, Dolis took the walk in that one. Payamps pitched two great relief innings, uh, two strikeouts, did not surrender a hit. Um, his ERA on the season is below three, by the way, too. He's had a, a decent year. But it was just really interesting for me that uh, without Vladi, this game was obviously going to be a, a three-hit shutout. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was definitely a tough way to end what had been a good weekend up until that point and made the Blue Jays finish three and four on the road trip. So not the best you want to do, and, and, you, and you wanted to win the series against the Red Sox to try and gain some ground because you, you didn't get any over the four games you left right where you started so yeah a little bit frustrating yeah but the the way to look at it is that the, we're right in the middle of this stretch of 10 games that we knew was gonna suck we knew it was gonna be difficult we're we're three and four which is obviously that's disappointing uh at the same time though three games against the yankees coming up yep we've had the yankees number so far this year we might be able to walk out of this uh this 10 game stretch of probably our most difficult games of the year with a six and four record it's possible or it could, or it could be three and seven i don't know but our <laughs> next 18 games after that are against opponents who are not good for firmly below 500 so yeah. yeah so for the yankee series which starts in about an hour just under uh, Hunjin Ryu is going to take the mound against Jordan Montgomery, and Ryu's going to be looking to rebound from his last two outings. His ERA is still only 3.34 on the season, yeah. so he hasn't had a bad year. He's, he's only had two bad innings, one one of each of his last two starts that have cost him to lose those two games. Uh, game two will feature Garrett Cole going up against Ross Stripling, which it was, it was a really interesting matchup. We'll see how Garrett Cole does without spider tack on his fingers. Uh, and then we get Michael King versus the Steven Matz spot, which is currently TBD in the rotation. Michael King, if you remember correctly, Patrick, he took over when the, in that game that Kluber left and actually pitched really well against the Blue Jays that day. Um, so we'll see. He, he hasn't been great uh, since that point, um, but he did do well against us last time out. This game is, of course, going to be in Buffalo. So the Blue Jays will have the, the home crowd behind them, potentially. Obviously, the Buffalo's in New York, so there could be a, a fairly decent chunk of Yankee fans there, too. But hopefully, Jays fans are out in full force for this one. So I'm predicting Patrick Marsh a 2-1 to one series victory for the Blue Jays. Um, I believe they win tonight, and then they'll, they'll split one of the remaining two games. Hopefully, they win the stripling start against Cole, because that would be huge for confidence. But I'm yep. predicting 2-3. to three. Yeah, I'm on board, and I think it'll be the first two games. I think the third game is going to be a tough one, uh, not just because Michael King uh, performed well against us last time, but the TBD, it's going to be really difficult, whoever it is that steps into that role. My guess is going to be Trent Thornton, because I don't know if Thomas Hatch will be 100% ready. Yeah, he's pitched three times with AAA. They've, I, know they're, I know they're trying to stretch him out. Oh, man, put him in the bullpen please we need yeah we need it badly um and i trent has the i i've said this a million you're very sold on trent thornton as a starting pitcher i'm i'm okay with trent thornton not being a starter right now because that's he has been so good in the pen it kind of like necessitate like it's it's a necessity yeah but I don't know, man. If if we look at what uh, Thomas Hatch has done in the minors, uh, he 
He's only done two innings June 6th and June 11th. He, he hasn't really been stretched out very much at all. Uh, he did three innings May 20th and then was kind of shut down for a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think... I don't think Hatch comes back as a starter. I, I, I would like to see him in the bullpen just because of need. If they want to try and stretch him out next year, fine. But I think this year we have to go with what we need now, and we need bullpen yeah. help. We're um, desperate. A few more things to note before we go. Uh, while we were recording, Keegan Matheson tweeted out that Charlie Montoyo says that Danny Jansen is close to returning from the injured list. He took live BP today. He should be eligible within the next couple of days to come off, uh, which would probably spell Riley Adams going back down to AAA since he does have the options. So we would get Danny Jansen back. Um, yeah. And a couple of things about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So we've got uh, a tweet from Mitch Bannon, who is a Sports Illustrated correspondent. He said that Vladimir Jr. says he does not look at his numbers. When pressed, he said the only number he sees when he glances up the scoreboard are his home runs. <laughs> um, and some home run derby news. Per Ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, in 2019, Vlad Jr. hit 91 home runs in the derby. Now he leads MLB in home runs. And this year's derby will be at everyone's favorite home run field, Coors Field. So will he participate? He says that right now he's, quote, more yes than no. Uh, and that it would be fun with his dad there. Still depends on how he feels physically. Um, yeah, and also for Keith, for Scotty Mitchell, he said, I won't lie, I'm more yes than no. Haven't decided. Have to see how my body feels. And then Scott adds, he might hit a ball out of Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah, home run derby <laughs> at Coors Field. Sign me up. I kind of hope to see a, a big meet Pete versus Vladdy rematch. I'd love that. Uh, I would not be shocked if Teoscar Hernandez isn't our backup for that one, uh, if Vladdy can't go. I could if even see look... Marcus Samin getting a look, too, with how many he's I think he's at 15 or 16 this year as well. Who are the home run leaders right now? I'm going to bring that Vladimir up right Guerrero quick. Jr., uh, Adolis, Obviously. Uh, Mar- I think it's Adolis. What's his last nope. name for the, the uh, Rangers? First place is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He has a three-home run lead over Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played in 14 more games. Uh, Matty Olson is third with 18. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, get well soon, bud. Um, that <laughs> sucked to see him go down with an injury. Yeah, big time. He's got 18. Uh, Winker in Cincinnati and Otani uh, with the Angels have 17. And then it's a three-way tie between Salvador Perez, Mitch Haniger, Adolis Garcia with 16. Freddie Freeman has 15. He's in 10th. There's a big tie for 10th. Yeah, There's like S- 10 S- guys. S- Marcus is in that cluster with 15. Yeah, so very, very interesting. You could justify pretty much any of these guys. Obviously, if Aaron Judge is healthy uh, and can do it, you got to think that he would want to participate. It would participate. be fun to see uh, Shohei hit in the derby and pitch in the all-star game that'd be pretty cool wouldn't it be awesome to see shohei pitch in the derby and hit in the derby i mean you don't you don't really pitch in the derby he lob well i'd love to see him do i'd love to see him (laughs) do it all because obviously this guy is otherworldly uh right now he's just doing everything what's his what's his total war I don't know. It's it's a lot. Um, but one more he thing. He doesn't I, leave the league in war. It's no, Vladdy, Vladdy leaves does. the league in war. One more but, thing that I want to add uh, on, on Vladdy, too, is that for players age 22, only Ted Williams had a better on base, or OPS than Vladdy did in his age 22 season. If the season were to end today, that's pretty good company. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So it, it could be the best age 22 season in about 100 years. Yeah. That's pretty bonkers. You and you know it. what? I as I know it's easy for us because we are Toronto Blue Jays fans. Have we seen peak Vladdy yet? Because I'm god. not convinced that we have. If we haven't, my god, please just just everyone everyone hide your pitchers because Vladdy's coming for you. Oh. Um, yeah, it's it's quite incredible what he did, and, and we're a long way from the 2019 season when people called him a bust. <laughs> I just want to put that out. Can there you? Too imagine i know freezing, we we were always cold takes on twitter <laughs> we were always critical of vladdy because of the conditioning and that's yeah. justified he even he's admitted as such yeah and, and he and he went out and fixed it 
Yeah, yep. he put in the time. He dropped forty pounds. Yeah, none, uh, none of us, including Clayton, ever said that Vladdy was a bust prospect. We just said he needed to get in better shape. Yeah, and here he is now. This is. I don't even think this is peak Vladdy. I think peak Vladdy will come when he's in his late 20s. That's really as, scary. As far as like OBP. Yeah, and like right now, what's his OBP? Uh, like, right now for this year. Uh, right now it is 451. That's insane. Which can is you imagine, lower than what Jose Bautista's was in uh, 2010. Can you imagine uh, a seasoned Vladdy? His OBP would be, he'd be on base like half the time. Yeah, They're his, just going to start walking him all the time now. It's going to happen. 3.8 war. I'm on ESPN. I'm not sure which site they're pulling that from. Uh, and it should be noted that Marcus Samin is, is fourth in baseball, uh, tied for third with Fernando Tatis at 3.0 war right now. So yeah, I keep saying everyone's talking about Vladdy, uh, but Marcus Samin's right there, and Bo Bichette's not far behind at a 2.5 as well. So they, the Blue Jays have three uh, guys in the top 20 for, for war. So that's You go good. Springer. Springer leadoff, second, uh, Samin third, uh, Vladdy fourth, Teoscar fifth, Bo. Yeah. Or do, do you want the speed in Bo second? I don't know. It's pretty nasty. There's a lot of people saying that Vladdy should hit fourth, but I don't know. Teoscar's been no. good in that spot, and Vladdy's yeah, been leave, so good in yeah. the three hole that I think, I think you leave those guys together. Yeah, don't fuck with uh, it. Because Teoscar said they, he talked about how much he likes hitting behind Vladdy because he, he's, he's he's pretty sure there's going to be somebody on base, which means pitches for him to hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and you want Vladdy up in the first inning. You don't want him waiting. You want to get your best hitter in the in the game in the in the first inning with hopefully somebody ahead of him getting on base, either Springer or or Samin if he stays there. I could see <laughs> if if Marcus does cool off, I could see him going down to the fifth spot and Bichette yeah. staying in the two hole. But, hey. but even after, <laughs> even after Teos Hernandez, if you're if you do it again, five Samina's five, six is probably Guriel, seven Grichuk. So Randall Grichuk, who had a phenomenal start to the year. Yeah, uh, and then you have Kevin Biggio at eighth, and then your catcher spot at ninth, which could be eventually Alejandro Kirk. Um, if he yeah. hits, if he hits as well as he can, I mean that's that's a one to nine lineup that could all hit twenty home runs. So. That's a that's a thick lineup. Yeah, and that's, that's probably that's we should leave on a high note because this is going to be an intense three game series, and we will we'll be back before yeah. Baltimore. We'll do like a really short one, I think probably maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some time to talk about about the Yankee series and tee up Baltimore. We've got it. We've got. Uh, We'll have a quick yeah we'll have a quick episode before the Baltimore series whether it comes out Thursday evening or, or Friday more likely we'll have something yeah. for you and then the Blue Jays do get an off day on Monday so uh, we'll have a bit of a reprieve before uh, before the Marlins and, and Orioles series again so but for yep. Patrick Marsh out in Halifax it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon I am definitely not cooking tonight uh, <laughs> it's too hot it's yes. too hot and too windy to even put anything on the grill just blow it out. Yeah, uh, I'll have to find something to order. But for Patrick and Halifax again, it's Justin here in Saskatoon. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Listen on places like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google. And find everything we do at BFMDPodcast.com. We'll talk to you guys after the Yankee series. Go Jays.